the message around this journey started for me back in November of last year, 2011. And when God speaks to me, something doesn't usually last that long, but it's like he's built and built and built and built and revealed more and more. And it's caused me to go on a journey, and I'm still on it. And what's happened is a huge amount of change has already happened. Things are different now. I'm actually completely different. And I know that that is still like a minuscule part of what he's got. Um, But, you know, the biggest thing that's happened is that it's given me a glimpse of something and has made me realize how little I know. (laughs) So that sounds kind of like a paradox, but it's not. Um, Because I've tasted of something and I've seen something, but I, I know that there is so much behind it. It's like a little icon on a screen. You know, you see the icon, but you've got to click on it and then this stuff opens up and and there's pages and pages and pages. And it's made me hungry so much more and more hungry because I know I need to know him more. I need to see him more clearly. I need to hear his voice more clearly. I need to obey him more completely. All this stuff is is the result of what I'm going to share. And it's because he's opened something up to me that I have such a burden for now because I see that the urgency in his heart for us to hear this, to know this, to journey into this at this particular point in time in history. It's not just out there, it's now. It's urgent. It really is urgent. So if we can um, just go to Psalm 46, if you've got your Bible. I think I've got the um, scripture up here as well. It's just Psalm 46, verses 1 to 7. This was the initial scripture. And I'll just read it now, and um, I'll just show you how he started to open it up prophetically. So it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Now, at the very beginning of this, it was particularly verse 2 that I started to see. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be moved and the mountains thrown into the midst of the sea. And I started thinking about mountains, and I thought, well, what's this psalm about? You know, is it literal mountains he's talking about? And maybe it is. But I felt them saying there was something more here. And I started to think in in terms of a human being, what is a mountain to us? When we look at a mountain on the earth, it's one of the largest things, isn't it? So it, it's immovable. It's huge. It's magnificent. It's going to outlast us. 
You know, we're teeny and this mountain is going to outlast us forever. This is what it, it looks like, it feels like. It's permanent. And I started thinking about, well, what's actually God saying here? That the mountains are going to be thrown into the midst of the sea? What is he actually saying? And, and I started to see that actually God is showing us what, he, what is happening now. We don't have to be particularly prophetic to see shaking happening in our world today. It, it's happening in a global sense. It's happening financially. It's happening physically. It's happening internationally. It's happening nationally. There is a sense of shaking and, and he's saying in this psalm, at the beginning of that, that verse, it says, we can be without fear. And I'm thinking, what's with that? How can we be without fear? And as I started digging more, I, I saw the core. Because I read the whole psalm, and I haven't shared all that tonight. But if you see this psalm, it's a psalm of total tumult. There's, we've got this, you know, mountains been thrown into the midst of the sea and, and there's a roaring and this boastful arrogance of, of, of the sea and the mountains. We've got war happening at the end. We've got God breaking the spear. We've got God speaking out his voice and the earth melting. There's tumult everywhere. But you know, he led me right into verse four and five, nestled in the heart of it. He was the answer. And this is why I've called this journey to the core, because this is the call of God to come to the core. Here it is, verses four and five. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. He has a place for us to live in the Spirit with him now and in eternity, a living reality of unity with him. This is the unity that Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit already share. And Jesus modeled that unity here on earth. He's calling his children to live in that place here and now. And the reality of that means it changes everything. And he has called me back to that call time after time after time in so many different ways. By my natural nature, I'm quite a anxious kind of person. So things come and, <gasps> how's it going to fit, you know? And God's really, he has so changed that. And it's like when those thoughts come up, he just quietly, I hear this voice, I've shown you a different way to live now. Step into that place where I am. And it's like, oh, that's absolutely it. So that, that fear of what's going to happen, how am I going to work it out, all that stuff, it's just not there. It's like, I trust and and he's there, and that security is there, and the stuff doesn't shake me anymore. So that's one way. There's several ways, many, many ways, and a whole lot more to come. 
But, you know, one of the things that he had to um, speak in for me um, at the beginning came through Psalm 27, verse 8, and particularly the, the parenthesis that the Amplified Bible puts in that. The verse um, says, You have said, seek my face. But this is what really hit me. Inquire for and require my presence as your vital need. And I stopped. And I had read it again. Inquire for and require my presence as your vital need. And I found myself asking, how desperate am I, Lord, for your presence? Truly, how desperate am I? Can I go on without it? And I realized that he is my vital need. This reality started to really hit. And I realized that my belief system and my actions were not in line. And so I cried out and I said, God, let that truth come in and, and renew me so that that cry and that desire would be in me 24-7, 100% of the time. Not in and out, not in and out, 100% of the time. And he has, over those weeks that I meditated on this, the reality of this started to really permeate every part of me. And I came into more and more a sense of the actual sense of reliance on him all the time. So that was part of the process. That was a really, really important key at the beginning. But you know, there was more. I, I thought I'd heard. But anyway, there was more. And it came in August of this year, totally unexpectedly. And this part of it came really weird. And it came as a picture at first. And this is how it was. God showed me a picture of an onion. And he said, Sandra, put the onion, the onion was being peeled away, layer by layer, put the onion with Psalm 46. And I just went, Lord, what's with the onion? <laughs> and so again, I started digging in and he spoke to me. And at this point, you know, I started to hear his cry. Like I've never heard it before. His cry is so urgent about this. And he said, Sandra, the, the onion is a picture of my church. And I want to bring them into the core. I want to bring them into verse 4. But I can't until these layers have come off them. Because they can only come to me in verse 4 if they're naked and vulnerable and totally reliant on me. And I started thinking, well, what are the layers? And he brought me round again to verse 1. There was the answer. God is our refuge. And as I looked up that word, another word for that is shelter. And he's our strength. And another word for that is security. So God alone is our shelter and our security. 
and I realized what the layers were. The layers of the onion are all the things that we've protected ourselves with as our shelter and our security. Now these are gonna be different for everybody, but I can guarantee we've all got them. They include things like our jobs, our careers, the things that um, Greg has spoken about, marriage, our desire for a marriage partner, families, our desire for a baby, finances, our desire for good things, possessions, you know, reputation, even things like the fear of man and what do people think of me? People's opinions, our closely held opinions. Layers can also come around us like strongholds when we've been hurt and we build these walls. You're not coming that far, I'm not gonna be hurt like that again. As well as this, he showed me something else. Those kind of things are quite obvious, but he showed me that layers can also be things within our own church community. They can be things like the way we worship. They can be things like the kind of music, how loud the music is. It can be our opinions on doctrine. It can be the groups that we run, the things that we really, really need, the programs, you know, they can even be the very manifestations of God's power himself. Miracles, healing. They can become like layers. But what is this? None of these things are bad. Well, maybe those ones about the hurt, they're not great. But a lot of these things, it's not that they're bad. It's just that we've become dependent on them. They're our security. They're our shelter. And, and man, if someone pokes at that, our defenses are up. You know, very often we can tell when our, when our security is in the wrong thing by our reactions. You know, our, the other thing he showed me, really, 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 if we're honest, all our insecurities can be traced back to a security in the wrong thing. So if you want to get over your insecurities, then try anchoring yourself in him. You know, sometimes the services or the way we do things together, they can be like those mountains, that amazing picture in Psalm 46, you know? It's there, it's solid, it's the way it's been, it's going to be like that forever. It, it's safe, it's secure, I feel comfortable. You know, if it gets a bit shaky, we're even guilty of looking elsewhere at another mountain, someone else's way of doing things. You know, and all the meantime, Father is crying out to us, don't you realize I might be the one doing the shaking? And why am I shaking? Because I need you to run into me, you know? If we run into the place that can't be shaken, then the stuff isn't going to upset us, is it? So, you know, we need to be very careful <laughs> that we're not building layers when we should be running into him. And yet his cry for us the whole time 
is to come. And he cries out for us to come, just like Jesus said to Nicodemus, be born again. You know, in the way that a newborn child is naked, unashamed, vulnerable, we don't come with an agenda for what he can do for us. We just wholeheartedly, not 99.9%, wholeheartedly surrender ourselves and become totally reliant on Father's protection, his care and his love. He and only he can be our shelter and security. You know, he made us and he made us in that way that he would be our shelter and security. So our sight and our focus can only be on him, not his manifestations even. You know, interesting thing, if we look at these um, three scriptures that are coming up, Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, or the Amplified says, looking away from all that distracts unto Jesus. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Mark 16, 17 says these signs will follow those who believe. Have you noticed the pattern? He says for us to fix our eyes continually on him and then the things follow us. So we're not looking for the things. Do you see what I'm saying? We're not looking for our gift, our special ministry, um, our calling. It follows us. And you know, things really get stuffed up when we turn around and look at those things because our eyes are off him and that's when things go really, really bad. The call does cost us everything. You know, <laughs> I was thinking about this onion. I was thinking there's got to be something more, you know. Onion, you peel it back and what's there in the middle and, you know, it's like a peach or a... Uh, apricot, yeah, get to the core and then you take the core to Psalm 46. But with an onion, the more you peel it back, the more you realize there's no core. It's all layers. And that was big. Because it's all got to go. In other words, there's nothing of us left. You know, the beauty of this thing is that sounds like really heavy, really hard, and like painful. But you know the beauty of this thing is that those things that were layers that were protecting us, they never complete us anyway. We, we were designed by God for this living communion with him, and we just end up malfunctioning. It's like, it's like driving around in a in a petrol car, but feeding it milk. You know, it's not going so well. <laughs> you know, but actually, we are designed by God to be fueled by him. <laughs> it's kind of logical. And, and yet, we just want to be fueled by something else so desperately because we want to be independent. But this helps because... You know, if you keep that in mind, it's not so hard. It's not so hard because you realize you're actually coming back to his original plan. You're coming back to the place where he 
intended us to be. And he has a much bigger, a much bigger plan. It, yes, it's about giving us security. Yes, it's about giving us freedom. But it's about way more than that. And we are just glimpsing some of that. It's, it's not about us. But, you know, he's chosen to create us, and he's chosen to include us in this plan. You know, it is about dying to self over and over and over again. But what I've come to realize is that once you've tasted of him, these things are really, they just feel insignificant and irrelevant. So he's calling us to a different way of thinking, living and being. There's no fear here. He causes us to be unshakable, totally anchored in him. This is what he's talking about in verse 4 of Psalm 46, dwelling with him, being made glad by the streams of his river. This is the core of our existence, the core of our heart and our resource. Again, he says the same thing in Psalm 91. This is so beautiful. Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. I shall say of the Lord, we shall say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. So who here longs to live a life that is stable and fixed? Unafraid, unshakable. I sure do. You know, but even more importantly, far more importantly, he wants this for us. That's how we were originally designed. So if that's the, the core that he's calling us to, and that's the cost that it is, what are some things that are keys to get there and, and to stay there? You know, one of the things that I have really realized, and this probably has become more and more apparent over the last three years or so, is that our prime motivation is the revelation of his love for us. You know, in the past, I have seen that there's more. I've heard about it. I've wanted it. But you know, I've been afraid that I'm going to miss out or I felt duty-bound to do something about this. There must be something more thing. <laughs> and it hasn't produced life. It hasn't produced change. But the thing that really has produced change in me is a revelation of his love for me and his longing to be known by me and to know me completely. That's the one key thing that has given me motivation to push in. And it doesn't come out of duty. It doesn't come out of the fear of missing out. And you know, for all of us, if we don't feel like we've got that revelation, why don't we cry out and ask for it? Because the thing is that he so much wants this. This is like a really, really important thing for him. 
And if we have the desire and we really keep pushing in to seek him, I can promise you that he will be found by you because he promises it. And I can also promise you that the Holy Spirit will reveal him to you because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He leads us into all truth. Jesus, his whole purpose for coming to earth was to reveal the Father. So don't you think if we seek him that he will reveal himself? He's not going to say, here's the carrot, here's the carrot. The carrot's gone. I mean, is he? Really? Isn't he going to say, I'm longing for you, I'm longing for you, just take a step and I'll run? Wasn't that the picture of the prodigal, I should say, the two sons? But the son that had gone away, he saw him coming and he ran to him. That's my father. So seek him. He will be found by you. I can promise you that. The second thing that I think, um, as I said before, we need to be totally convinced of our need for him. And that that psalm that I spoke um, is a good place to start. But, you know, it is the easiest thing to get a sense of that sometimes and then get duped out of it for other times. You know, you're all fired up and, God, I need you totally and you've got this total sense and then, you know, days pass and you suddenly realize you haven't really connected with him and actually life's not so bad. You know, the life hasn't ended The world hasn't disappeared. And you think, well, it's it's not so bad. You know, maybe I can do without him a little bit. You might not say that, but actually that's what our heart is saying. You know what I mean? And we're duped out of this. Why? Because Satan knows so well that this is the key. So he's going to tell you anything that you like. You know? So we have to be and keep remaining in that reality of our need for him. Because otherwise we're not going to have any um, any sense of dependency on him and we will just do our thing our own way and, and come in and out and in and out and that's not stability. That's certainly not what he's calling us to. The seeking him daily is, is tied up in that. And um, I like to share this Hopefully, yeah, it's a very cool picture. Um, Paul Costello shared a a picture with me about a grapevine that his neighbor has, and he's got permission to um, train it along his side of the fence. I hope I've got that right. But anyway, he found that all he had to do was go out every day and help the little tendrils find their support. Just every day. Just go out and help the, the tendril find their support. And then the vine didn't need tying up. And evidently, you, you wait until the branch has got like three leaves or so, and then you chop it off, and there comes the grapes. I didn't know that. Sounds fascinating. So th- this, is the, this is the system. And he had left some a little too long, and they'd got all tangled up on, e- on each other. And I thought, God, this is just so what it is. You know... Like, you are the vine, we are the branches. So we actually have little tendrils. <laughs> Isn't that cool? And we just simply have to connect with him. It's actually very simple. He's actually designed us to connect with him. 
but we do, we do need to do it. And I don't want to be tied to him. Can you imagine a, a parent and, and a young child, instead of holding hands to cross the road, being tied to each other? I don't, I don't want to do it because of duty or I've committed myself to it. Do you know what I mean? It, it's love. It's, it's that constant relationship that we, we are putting out our tendrils and we're just connecting with God every day. And you know, the other thing, the cool thing of, about that picture was that when he cuts stuff off me, which he does, and he is doing, I'm now no longer interpreting it as a big punishment. I've done something wrong. I'm thinking, yay, because he's saying it and he's showing me and I see it through his love for me that he's wanting maximum fruit. So he needs to cut that off because that's where the fruit's going to come. Isn't that cool? And the, the other thing I love about this, there's this lovely verse in, in Isaiah 40. And that word, we know this, they that wait upon the Lord will find their strength renewed like the weak eagles and all that. You know, that word wait, it doesn't mean just, you know, sit down and just wait for something to happen. Actually, when you look it up, it means to entwine. So we've got the same picture of the vine. It's, you know, like of strands of a, core, of, a, of a rope constantly touching each other. That's entwining. And that's the, the same picture of the Trinity. They're entwined together in this incredible dance of unity. That's what he's calling us into. It, it is something that I'm, again, just seeing a tiny little bit, and I so want more of that. Keeping our eyes on him every day. You know, this is how Jesus lived. And I, I just want to read this passage in John um, 5, 19. Here we go. I'm sure these words have got smaller in the last few years. <laughs> so Jesus gave them this answer. This is... Um, yeah, he was answering the Pharisees at this point. He says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Isn't that amazing? That's how Jesus lived. So, he was constantly seeing his father. Constantly, he was fixing his eyes on his father. And he only did what he saw his father doing. And I think that is incredible. I, and I really believe that God is speaking to us about the direction of our gaze. What is our gaze on? He's turning, calling us to turn from all the other things that our gaze would be distracted to and to run to him like a sheep, as sheep do to their shepherd. And another really, really important thing has to be is keep responding with willingness to his requests as they come. We've got to keep choosing to run to him and not away. It's not a one-off, it's a continual. And the, th the thing at the base of this is that he, he will speak to us. We, we have to know, each one of us has to know that he is wanting to speak to you. 
and you can hear his voice. So that lie that comes into your mind and says, but no, no, they can hear God's voice, but I can't. I have real difficulty hearing God's voice. That actually is a lie from the pit of hell. Gotta say, because he says that we are his sheep and we will hear his voice. As simple as that. We, each of us, can hear God and he will speak to us. And he'll speak to us in different ways, which is all very cool because he knows exactly how he's made us and he knows exactly how to get our attention, which is very cool. And as we join together, we actually grow together in that because we're seeing how he's speaking in so many different ways. You know, a couple of things that has happened to me in this responding thing. I'll just give you a couple of examples. And each of us have got these things. In a recent Mountain Movers, um, Greg, I think, was praying that we would have a, 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 a magnification of his love and his power revealed to us. And, and as I was there, I just had this total sense at that point that my heart was too small to contain what he was trying to pour out. There was just the sense of constraint and sense of boundary. And, and so I just cried out to God and I saw this like big vertical slash down my front and I was ripping at the side of the thing. I'm opening it up. You know, come in and reveal yourself. I want everything that you need to reveal to me. I don't want to hold back. I don't want to, to put a boundary around you. You know, enlarge my capacity until it's the capacity you have in mind, not the, the capacity that I think. And, and he did this in, in this way to show me that at that time I'd had a limited capacity and he wanted to open me up. I didn't even realize I had a limited capacity before I was in that situation. So getting in the right environments is really important. He can speak to us in all sorts of places, whether it's in a corporate meeting, pre-meeting, life group, whether it's by ourselves seeking him, whether it's just these unexpected encounters that happen during our day. Every single one of those is vital. And we can't have one with the other. We cannot go through life thinking, no, it's just me and God. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that meeting with other people thing. You know, it's like saying to God, well, okay, it's fine, but okay, we'll just rewrite the stuff that you talked, you know, about the church and all that. We'll just rewrite that, just you and me. We can't do that to God. He, he is bigger and way more wise than what we are, right? And he has got a plan, and his manifold purpose is to reveal himself in and through the church as a body. And coming to a meeting is not going to make us grow just like that. It's having our heart open and to engage every time we're in a place together. But everywhere we are, so small groups, big groups, by ourselves, wandering in the car, praying, whatever, sleeping at night. He, he shows us things in all sorts of places. You know, it, it, let's not limit him. Goodness me, it's so much more fun and exciting to, to hear him speak, you know, than the occasional thing. So um, the, the other, another time, I was just lying in bed before nodding off to sleep. And um, I didn't nod off to sleep, unfortunately, because he challenged me with a question. <laughs> 
and it was about what I was holding on to. And he said, Sandra, what would happen? What would it be like if someone broke into your house and stole all your stuff? And especially, Sandra, what would happen if they nicked your violin? Now, some of you may realize that I use my violin probably most days of the week. I teach, I play. But more than that, this instrument is like another arm. It's the vehicle that I express myself through, and it speaks with a voice. I know how it responds. Very dear. But as soon as he said that, I felt this pinching sensation around my heart, and I realized that it had a hold on me. And, you know, the one thing I've started to come into more as I get a glimpse of his kingdom, his ways, is I recognize what's not his kingdom. And I recognize that a pinch around my heart and constraint is not a kingdom. So I said, God, set me free. And it was like there on the bed, he was stripping me of everything until I had nothing and I was totally and utterly free and totally and utterly able to stay completely anchored in him because nothing was coming between me and him. You know, he kept on waking me up through the night, going through that same process. It needed to be worked down in my heart by the Holy Spirit. I didn't even realize that it was there. And these are some of the things. The important thing is that we welcome it when he speaks to us and we run into what he's saying and we engage with him and allow him access. The other a couple of things that I found really important, and I won't go into details, are journaling and the sharing with others. I mean, you can spend a lot of time on both of those, but with the journaling, I just encourage you, when God does speak to you, do write it down, because otherwise it's like it can be whipped away. It's, it, it can be like those seeds that fell and then the, the birds of the air came and <coughs> grabbed them, you know? But very often God will build on what he's told you as you as you meditate on it and you dig on it. You, you maybe will find a scripture that's something like it and, and he will grow that revelation in your heart and it will start to really take root and actually do its work. So journaling seems to be quite a key to get that permanence. And sharing with others is just a major. This is so much of equal importance as a revelation that the, the Spirit is giving to his church at this time, that he's doing it through us all. And we are walking together. We have to walk together. We cannot do this by ourselves. And part of the way that we're going to grow is if we share with each other what's happening. You know, the ups and the downs and the, you know, you'll find that someone might get another slant on something that he's shown you, you know, and you'll grow. You will grow. We need each other's gifting so badly. Otherwise, honestly, we would just be in wiku land, you know? I would. <laughs> it comes from being a bit prophetic, eh? Get a bit wicko. <laughs> if we can get the musicians to come up. I, I just want to just go through these things. This, is, this, this has been a, the journey of the message. And I've shared with you a bit of how it's affected me. But you know, the core of this is, as I've prayed into this and, and God has laid this on my heart, the core 
of this is the urgent cry of the Father's heart to each of us. That's what he wants you to take away. That's what he wants you to receive tonight. The urgency of that. He is imploring us to hear him, to turn away from anything that's become like a mountain to us. Knowing that it's going to be thrown into the midst of the sea anyway. But he is crying out as a father, come to me and I will place you in that place that is stable, that can't be shaken, that is, is made gleeful by my Holy Spirit, full of joy, where I am. Can I ask you, please don't take for granted that you've seen all there is to see.